What is going on, you guys? My name is Justin, but you can call me Jay Swag, and welcome back to another episode of Sports Talk with Swag. Appreciate you stopping by, giving a listen, and hanging out with us here tonight. Um, <clears throat> we are going to be talking some basketball and football tonight. Getting a little crazy here. Um, <clears throat> Following a little bit more of the variety type show that we've been doing the past few weeks, just because obviously the main focus on here is wrestling and basketball. Wrestling, we really only talk about once a month when we're predicting and talking about the pay-per-views. Um, and basketball, we're in the off-season right now. So we've kind of passed the um, the trade deadline, uh, all the big free agency moves. So now we're kind of just waiting for the season to start back up. So at this point, not a whole lot to talk about um, in regards to the NBA. So I just try to pick out some of the headlines, some of the current event stuff um, in, in the sporting world and give you my thoughts. Um, <clears throat> we did have one semi-big story in the NBA tonight that we'll get to. Um, but first, let's... Uh, Let's crack open a cold one, shall we? What a great sound that is, huh? I, I didn't hear that sound <clears throat> Excuse me for such a long time because a lot of people hear that sound growing up when they're drinking soda. But I never liked soda. My family never really drank soda. Uh, my dad did, but he uh, <clears throat> gave it up fairly early into my childhood. So, um, and none of us drank beer until I started, until I turned twenty-one, really. So, and I didn't even like beer for the first few years. Um, so, but I like some beers now, and I like cracking open a cold one with said boys. Um, or when I am podcasting, because it's fun. Anyways, that has nothing to do with the show. This is not your typical two 30-year-old white guys um, drinking a glass of scotch and giving you two minutes of the Wikipedia page talking about it and then giving you their thoughts on uh, nothing and just having normal conversation for an hour and a half and calling it a must-listen podcast. That's not what we do here. <clears throat> What we do here is one almost 30-year-old white guy just talking to himself about sports. So it's you see how it's different? So that's what we do here on this show. Um, so this is episode 129. <clears throat> we are chugging along here. And um, yeah, let's just jump right into it here. As always, if you're here in the live stream on Facebook... Feel free to chime in in the uh, in the live chat um, with any of your thoughts that you have or any questions you have. Um, but with that being said, let's hop into this first story. Uh, John Wall and the Houston Rockets have mutually agreed uh, to part ways, to move on from each other. So as you may or may not know, <clears throat> right before the season started last year, uh, John Wall was traded to the Rockets for Russell Westbrook um, in a pretty much one-on-one swap. And Wall played, I think, about 40 to 45 games last season. Um, had a good season. Average like 21-7-4, I think, something like that. 
Um, but his effective field goal percentage was like eight points below the league average. So, um, you know, not quite as efficient as you'd like for your point guard to be and clearly just not what he once was. Um, I mean, he's a five-time all-star. Um, he led the league in assists. Um, he used to be a really versatile two-way point guard, um, had a really explosive uh, first step and was really quick. Um, obviously then tearing his Achilles, um, no bueno for him <clears throat> and, uh, missed all of two seasons ago now at this point, uh, to, to rehab that and to, uh, have surgery and whatnot. But, um, yeah, he's obviously getting quote unquote, getting up there in age as well. I mean, he's considered a veteran at this point, but I mean, he's still, I think he's like my age. Might be like a year older than me. So he's like maybe 29, maybe 30. So in basketball years, get, definitely getting up there. Um, but, you know, at this point, hard to gauge what he still has, quote unquote, left in the tank or what he has to offer. Just because he definitely still shows signs of being a mature, talented basketball player. Right? Um, like, we, you know, we know five, six years ago, um, in his peak, um, you know, he was a top five point guard in the NBA. Like I said, always up, did lead the league in assists one year, but was always in the top three, top four in assists, was typically over hovering around 20 points a game. Um, and was a lot more effective of a shooter than he was in this past season. Um, and just, he had, he had a lot of potential and it looked like, you know, Bradley Beal at that point hadn't really come into his own yet. Um, and when he kind of, when Bradley Beal kind of matured into the player that he is now and John Wall was still kind of in his peak, they had a couple of playoff appearances, um, never did too much just because they still had a relatively low seating because it was pretty much just the two of them. Um, and they had a couple of unlucky matchups um, in the first round. They got like LeBron James a bunch of times in the first round, so not really any chance of a first round upset there. But all that being said, in his uh, youth, in his prime, showed a lot of potential, a lot of promise, a lot of skill. Um, and like I said last season, you saw that he still has it, but has definitely lost a step or two and is still, you know, kind of recovering and, and getting back to, you know, uh, playing form. Um, so that's kind of where the hesitancy that's where one of the hesitancies is in being able to find a landing spot for him and a trade partner. But the other is his contract status. Um, he's not on an expiring contract. He has two years left on it. So it's not just going to kind of be a one year rental or even a situation where you kind of just buy him out and ship him to somewhere else or let him go somewhere else. Um, so coming up this season, he is owed $44.3 million dollars which is tied for the second most with James Harden in the entire league. So that's one really hard, massive pill to swallow if you're a GM in the NBA um, or an owner even, um, you know, front office exec, to, to be willing to, to basically eat and absorb that contract. Um, it's, it's a hard pill to swallow because, like I said, it's – I can't. I can't remember who the top paid is. Um, 
but Harden is second, tied with John Wall, and he's above you know a lot of other players who are significantly better than him. Um, so they have that, and then next season in twenty twenty two twenty three, he's owed forty seven point four million dollars, which you can definitely assume he's going to pick up. It's a player option, and you can definitely assume he's going to be picking that option up because obviously if he opts out, there's no way he's going to get anywhere near that. Um, so obviously going to do what he can to, to secure and keep that bag. So you're pretty much, if you're, if you're trading for John wall now, you're kind of going to be stuck with him for two years. Um, or you're going to move him immediately, but then it's just like, you may as well try to just make it a three team deal at that point, you know, cause you don't want to take on that contract and give away some of your valuable assets to then just later give him up. If that makes sense. Um, the Rockets are obviously going to have to sweeten and incentivize the deal um, with, you know, some picks, probably a, definitely a first round pick, um, potentially maybe one or two seconds with that, um, just to give more, yeah, more, more incentive for teams to actually want to take on that massive contract. Because at this point, not that many people even have like cap space less, left. Cause again, all the big, like pretty much everyone has signed at this point, right? So everyone is signed with their teams for next season. So everyone's kind of out of cap space. Um, and, you know, you don't want to, like at this point, sorry, I'm kind of losing my train of thought here. At this point in the off season, everyone's used up all their cap space. So they don't have the room to take on his contract. So they're going to have to move a bunch of players then to be able to take on his salary. And that's where it gets really tricky because is John wall in his current situation worth giving up two to three players for, but that's why they then tack on a couple draft picks, make it a little more interesting. Um, so, there's not really a whole lot of viable, realistic destinations, right? You can come up with some quote unquote dream scenarios. Um, you know, you can talk about swapping him for, for Ben Simmons. You can talk about moving him to, uh, to Boston. Um, you could, I'm trying to think of who else kind of needs a point guard at this point. Even just like move him to like Sacramento as like a backup um, or like a mentor role. You could move him to the Clippers. Um, but like none of those people really have cap space for it. And they, they're, they're not in a position to want to just like kind of trade a couple of assets away. So typically when moves like this are, or are rumored to be happening or it's not rumored, it is confirmed. Um, but kind of it's still up in there of what's going to actually happen. Um, it's a lot either earlier on in the offseason when people have a lot of cap space to work with or it's closer to the trade deadline when people are a little more desperate. Um, and in both of those situations, you're going to see, you know, all these reports, all these articles and lists coming up of, you know, 10 destinations for John Wall to land. Um, but at this point, um, there's really only two realistic destinations so it's not a long list and neither of them are that exciting either so 
those two teams, just to kind of just jump right into it, it's the Magic and the Thunder. The Orlando Magic, the Oklahoma City Thunder are really the only realistic destinations for him to end up, uh, again, due to the cap space. So the Magic, the Orlando Magic, um, if they were to want to try to make a deal, um, they would probably have to, <clears throat> the Magic would have to give up, you have to give up Markel Fultz almost like 90% sure you'd have to give up Markel Fultz, um, which just wouldn't make a ton of sense for them because they just re-signed him to like a four-year deal for a four-year extension, excuse me, this summer. So they've kind of showed that they're kind of all in on, on Markel Fultz and they believe in him and they want to kind of invest in, I mean, literally, but you know they want to invest in him and his future and his potential. So it'd be a little weird to kind of just go back on that um, and give him and his potential future up for however they personally value John Wall. Um, but if they don't want to give, like if they're firm on not giving up Fultz, then they're going to have to give up Jonathan Isaac, which makes even less sense because one of those guys, like those guys are both around somewhere between 15 and $20 million a year. So you're going to have to give up at least one of them, and then most likely they'll send Gary Harris as well because he's right around that range. He's like like $13 million a year. So you have to pair Gary Harris with either Fultz or Isaac to make this work in terms of cap space. And you're most likely they're going to have to tack on a first round as well. Um, it's basically a pick swap to get John Wall and then probably a first. Um, so it's possible but is it plausible? Like, would they really want to give up? I think there's no shot they want to give up Jonathan Isaac. I know he's still very young, and he's gonna he missed all of last season. Um, he's gonna be coming off of a torn ACL. Um, but the flashes that we saw from him, um, kind of in the season prior to when they shut down for COVID, um, and even his rookie campaign. He showed a lot of potential and he was especially that, you know, the 2020 season, he was looking really good up until he did end up tearing his ACL. Um, I believe which he did, he tore in the bubble. Um, if I'm remembering correctly, but either way showed a lot of potential and I think more promise and uh, more, Well, uh, less concern than Markel Fultz because he's definitely, obviously, he's had the time to actually prove and show anything on the Magic because he didn't get to do anything with the Sixers. Um, but he 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 still is, you know, he's still fairly injury prone and is still kind of getting over those yips from pre pre rookie campaign and then all of his rookie year. Um, so still has a lot to prove he's shown some potential with the magic but i feel like not as much as jonathan isaac and i think fultz at this point is just a little bit more of a injury concern um so i think it makes the most sense for them to pair fultz and harris in a first for john wall in a first um i don't know how he how john wall really fits in orlando um, definitely is an immediate upgrade 
from where Markel Fultz is at. But again, for at what cost and you know what which John Wall are you going to get? Um, so it's tough. But so then the Thunder, the other team, the other potential, um, and they uh, their situation is a little bit trickier, where they they would have to not only trade a couple of young assets and a pick, they'd also have to clear out a bunch of cap space. Um, so essentially they still owe Nick Collison and Raymond Felton money <laughs> from their deals a while ago. Um, kind of similar to like the Luol Deng situation with the Lakers. So they would have to try to clear that out and then They'd have to probably trade either Darius Baisley or Teo Maladon. Um, and again, tack on a first round pick most likely to get John Wall. And I don't think you'd see Wall in an immediate buyout um, similar to the Kimball Walker situation, but Oklahoma City has clearly become this destination um, for acquiring expiring older contracts and then either buying them out or waiting for someone to use, use them as kind of a third team destination. So, you know, like I said, like we, like we saw that with Chris Paul, um, obviously his situation worked out as absolute best as it could have, where he was basically just a trade asset to get Russell Westbrook out of Oklahoma city and they were looking to pretty much immediately deal Chris Paul. Like that was the thing it was Chris Paul when he was first traded to the Thunder was was rumored and expected to not play a game in a Thunder jersey and to either get dealt to Milwaukee or Miami were the most likely destinations. Um they couldn't find a suitor, they couldn't find a trade partner. So they're just like, "All right, we'll just play the season out." And you know, Chris Paul similarly to how John Wall is now was not of the mindset of like, well, we're just in rebuild mode, so I'll kind of just coast. Uh, he was like, no, I'm here to win. I play to win no matter the situation, where I am, who I'm playing with. Um, and again, well, obviously, we know that run where they ended up as the fifth seed in the West and ended up taking the Rockets to seven games um, in, in the playoffs. So really exciting season with Chris Paul in that situation. And then obviously we saw um, saw them do it with Al Horford. Um, kind of take him uh, from uh, Philadelphia and then kind of dump him halfway through the season, I guess. I think he was at the deadline. Um, and then again with Kemba Walker, taking him off of Boston's shoulders and then buying him out uh, and letting him go to New York. So I think if Oklahoma City takes John Wall, I think we see a kind of Chris Paul situation where they're still kind of in rebuild mode, but they let it play out. Um, and, you know, I think John Wall and SGA and Pokashevsky um, could be an exciting, you know, young core with, again, a kind of a, a veteran point guard uh, mentor there in John Wall. So I think... In my opinion, Oklahoma City is the more likely destination um, because, again, kind of just it, it just feels like it would be another Chris Paul situation where it's just like they'll just kind of 
loan him for a year essentially. Um, although he does have two years on his contract, so that's where it gets tough. But you know, they don't have any big contracts on their books. Um, and they'll definitely probably get a couple picks along with John Wall, and we know how Sam Presti is with his picks in Oklahoma City. Uh, so that just feels more likely. It feels like the Magic are kind of more in their aggressive rebuild, but also kind of like trust the process situation where they dumped all their best players at the deadline last year in Vucevic, Aaron Gordon, and Evan uh, Fournier. Like they got rid of all of them at the deadline, and it seems like they were kind of like you know they got a couple good picks, and they got some good some good rookies this year, and it feels like they're kind of again in that trust the process. Now we have our young guys, our young core that we believe in, and we're just going to kind of ride ride it out with them. So it doesn't feel like they're necessarily going to want to get rid of some of those players to take on John Wall and his contract. So. That's what I think. That's I, I think John Wall most likely gets traded to the Thunder. Um, I, I mean, again, it could be any team. It just feels it just you know when looking at everyone's books and kind of their assets at this point in the off season, it feels like those are the two most likely trade destinations. So we will see, though. Should be interesting. Um, <clears throat> I do love I, I do really like John Wall. I was gonna say love. I don't love John Wall. I do really I liked watching him at Kentucky. Um he kind of burst onto the scene there and you know had the John Wall dance and was always uh doing the Dougie as well and the pregame intros and he was really exciting to watch in college. Really fun to I mean, that was like probably the only Kentucky team that I've ever like rooted for. Um took them to the Elite Eight, I think, in the in, in they definitely had an early exit but it was kind of riding a lot on his shoulders. Um, him and uh, DeMarcus Cousins. That was a fun team to watch. Um, and then, yeah, just like continued in the NBA. I always liked him. I always thought he was fairly underappreciated in the NBA until obviously he kind of hit his peak and you couldn't help but notice and appreciate him. But, um, yeah, it's a shame that he's kind of got dealt with some injuries the past few years and, it's taken a, it's been a long road to recovery but i think a lot of the nba you know uh true nba fans were really excited to see him back um in the league last year and and playing with houston um but you know definitely just not a, a not a good fit there just because they're clearly in a the upstarts of a rebuild and he just doesn't belong there um so hoping the best for him all right <clears throat> Our next story here, um, we're moving to the NFL now. Pretty much all football from here on out, which I know is, again, fairly rare for this show, but what else am I going to talk about, you know? Um, this one jumped out just because this is another guy who I've always kind of been a fan of, and he's just kind of had a lot of unfortunate circumstances and situations and, and, and definitely has just had his struggles. But um, So the NFLPA, which is their Players Association, um, today officially recommended that Josh Gordon be reinstated to the NFL. Um, so basically for those unaware, Josh Gordon, wide receiver in the NFL, um, most notably for the Browns. Um, he was drafted in 2013 in the supplemental draft. Um, 
and he uh he's he he's dealt with some substance abuse um throughout his career um he's been suspended from the NFL a total of 6 times uh which is definitely not great um almost all of them for substance abuse there was one or two for performance enhancing drugs i believe but it's pretty much always just been for weed um to to put it bluntly <laughs> i actually wasn't even trying to be funny there but to to not beat around the bush it was it was almost every time he's been suspended has been for weed um and most recently he was suspended in december of 2019 and then was reinstated in December 2020, was practicing with the Seahawks. It looked like he was going to sign with them, but then uh, his reinstatement was rescinded in January of um, of Jan- in January of 2021. No, is that right? Yeah, this past January he was going to sign with the Seahawks, but then they rescinded it um, because uh, I can't remember what it was. There's was something with his. Some there's some issue, but so anyway, so the NFLPA has officially recommended that he be reinstated, um, and yeah, it's just like it's one of those stories, one of those situations where, you know, a lot of people will just look at it and be like, oh, he's just a drug addict, um, he doesn't belong in the NFL, get him out of here, he's a bad influence, um. Which is just like it's very loaded and it's a lot more nuanced than that. Again, it's just most of it has been for marijuana. And um, I mean, A, it's mostly just been marijuana. B, it's never been like trafficking or like intent to sell. Um, And C, it's clearly just been something that he's struggling with, right? And he's... uh, Supposedly now he has a good support system with him, um, but it does seem like he's he's tried to get clean and then has relapsed several times. So it's a situation where it feels like the NFL, and we've seen this time and again, when issues like this come up, it, it seems like the NFL handles it with the sense of like, well, that's your problem. Like you're out of our league, like deal with it yourself. Like this is something you need to figure out. And it just feels like a lot of other leagues don't handle it that way. And either, even if they do, it just feels like that's not how you should handle it. Um, Because when someone is clearly struggling with an issue like that, like substance abuse, um, and especially after the first time, you know, gets reinstated, gets that second chance, but then falls to it again and clearly doesn't have a great support system and doesn't have, you know, has a lot of issues with it. I feel like it should be with, like, on the NFL and the NFLPA, not like it's their duty or responsibility, but it's like, why would you not want to try to, like, support this guy and help him? I mean, outside of like, you know, okay, like, you know, it's not like he's like Tom Brady who's dealing with this and it's like, oh my gosh, this guy gets us like all of our ratings. Like we need to do everything we can to keep him in the league and like, you know, keep him healthy and safe, whatever. 
Like, obviously, Josh Gordon is not that. But it's like he's just a human being who's clearly struggling with something. Like, don't you want to come alongside him and help him? And, like, you're the NFL. He's one of your employees. Um, Like, you have the resources available. Like, get him to a good, uh, you know, treatment facility, rehab facility. Um, Get him the support and the help that he needs. So clearly, he's he's been suspended six different times in eight years. It's almost a yearly thing that he gets suspended for substance abuse. Like, he clearly has issues with it, right? Um, and I think it's... I, I personally think it's good that the NFL continually welcomes him back and lets him be reinstated and, and, and come back. Um... But it just feels like that's only because of Josh Gordon and his willpower and his uh, determination to get back to the NFL and to keep playing football, right? Like, it just feels like every time the NFL just gives up on him and they're just like, well, sorry, you're kind of a lost cause. Like, you have a problem, you're suspended, or like, you know, you're out of the league. And then just like kick him to the curb. Um, and I just feel like that's not a good way to treat your employee. That's not a good way to treat another human who, uh, you know, clearly is struggling. So, um, I'm happy to see that he's getting reinstated or being recommended to be reinstated. I hope he gets the opportunity to try out for a team and I hope whatever team takes him, uh, make sure to do all that they can to offer the support for him that he needs, um, in his time of recovery. Um, because it seems like he really needs it. So, again, hoping nothing but the best for Josh Gordon, um, even if it means not getting back to the NFL, but just staying healthy and um, doing what's best for him. I just, you know, I wish him all the best. Okay. We got a question. What about Manning Brothers NFL commentary the other night? That was whoever had that idea, whoever at ESPN in a meeting was like, hey, what if we do a alternate secondary broadcast on ESPN2 for Monday Night Football and just have it be the Manning Brothers? make them the 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 CEO of ESPN because that was the that was the golden ticket idea that was it was it was just brilliant i loved it it was so i didn't watch a ton of the game but i watched a lot of like the video clips of it the next day obviously Eli is my quarterback for life being a lifetime giants fan long time lifelong giants fan jeez and obviously, he and his brother, Peyton, have great chemistry. They know each other pretty well. And they're both just pretty goofy guys, especially Peyton intentionally and, and Eli unintentionally. But I just thought that was so funny. It was hilarious, especially for people like myself who typically don't like the Monday Night Football broadcast, especially the past few years with, like, Booger. Um, I, I don't like him and his whole thing. Never liked him. Um, when Gruden was there, I thought that was awful, but the Manning brothers, I mean, cause a, you have Peyton, who's one of the greatest 
NFL quarterbacks of all time who can legitimately give you some great insights and, and, and you know, um, behind the scenes of what's going through a quarterback or a team's um, head during different plays and stuff like that. We've seen that with the likes of Tony Romo. Um, <clears throat> but then, again, on top of that, like you have these two brothers who are, are former NFL quarterbacks who it, it was just so funny and it just made it so much more fun to watch. In my opinion, again, I'm sure it wasn't for everyone. I'm sure there are people who are like, Oh my gosh, this is unwatchable, but that's why you make it a secondary broadcast. Right? So it's like, Hey, if you want to just have a normal commentary, um, analysis, blah, 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 head on over to ESPN. But if you want to have a good time and just like watch the game, but like, you're not too invested in it or you're taking it too seriously, go to ESPN to watch with the Manning brothers and Russell Wilson, try to keep up with them. You know, um, <clears throat> I thought it was great. Um, loved it. Great decision. Hope it stays. Hope it comes back. Um, all right. So staying on the NFL here, um, the kind of main topic, as you've probably seen from the title of the episode is the panic meter after week one. So this is something that this was not my organic original idea. I give full credit to Bleacher Report. They put out the article today, um, and I read through it. And I'm so I'm taking all the teams that they did in the format, but I'm giving it my own grades because um, <clears throat> I still wanted it to be organically my thoughts. But it's just not necessarily. I didn't come up with this story to go with, so to speak. So basically, they took every NFL team from week one who lost by double digits. And then basically um, it's just like, how much do they need to be panicking on a scale of one to 10? How bad is it? How much should they be panicking? So we will start with the probably most surprising one, which is the green Bay Packers losing 38 to three to the new Orleans saints and Jameis Winston. So I, I give this a one on the panic meter. I, I personally not panicked at all for the Packers. Packers fans shouldn't be. I don't think they are. Um, but wouldn't be panicking or, or scared at this point if you're a Packers fan. I mean, A, you'll see the theme for all of these, every single one, I'll just go ahead and say it now. The theme is it's one game. It's the first week. There's no need to really panic that much. Some of them, there's a little bit more cause to panic or be a little like, whoa, hang on a second, like, that shouldn't have happened, like, this is not great, um, but none of them are that bad where it's like, oh my gosh, sound the alarm, like, this is bad, um, because again, it's one game, these, you know, a lot of these already are just overreactions, because no one should be panicking because it's one game, right, um, how many, you know, I, I didn't do this kind of research, but I'm sure there is numbers saying how many teams lost their first lost their week one game by double digits and went on to win the Super Bowl, went on to make it to the playoffs. You know what I mean? Went on to win their division. Like I'm sure that happens fairly often. Like the the Packers are the they went to the NFC championship two years in a row, right? Like they're not just all of a sudden really bad. Um so yeah, so for the Packers, I'm not concerned at all. Um, you know, they had just like a really weird offseason to begin with. Um, 
so uh, you know, I'm not going to say that I was like expecting this because again, no one was expecting this, especially how bad it was and at the hands of the saints. Um, but they just had a lot of distractions. They didn't have, you know, a ton of full team practices, OTAs, blah, 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 all that stuff. So let's not worry about it. Let's keep going. You have one of the best NFL quarterbacks right now in Aaron Rodgers. Um, you know, his attitude after the game didn't seem to just be like, well, oh, well, whatever. Like I'm out of here at the end of the season anyway. So like, who cares? He did seem to still be like pissed about it and was just like, yeah, we, you know, we should be playing a lot better. Like this was a wake up call, blah, 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 blah. Um, so we'll see, uh, with all of these, it's just like, we'll see what happens in week two. Right. Um, but for the Packers, I give them a one on the panic meter. No cause for concern. Uh, second up is the Jags, the Jacksonville Jaguars. They lost week one <clears throat> to the Houston Texans 37-21. to 21. This was another one where, well, I shouldn't say that. So for this one, it wasn't a shock that the Jaguars lost, right? David Carr is the only uh, first-round quarterback pick, or maybe it was first overall pick. Yeah, David Carr is the first overall pick, the only overall pick since 2002 to win their first NFL game, right? So, like, pretty much everyone who's been a first-round pick loses their first NFL game. It's just, like, that just is kind of what happens because if they have the first pick, it means they were really bad the last season. So you can't have too high of expectations for them. Um Obviously, with this being Trevor Lawrence, expectations were definitely a little higher than than typical. Um, <clears throat> but that being said, it's still the Jaguars. They're still a pretty bad team. You have Trevor Lawrence in his first NFL game, Urban Meyer in his first coaching his first NFL game, and I think it was their defensive coordinator also in his first NFL game. So a lot of people in their first NFL game. Uh, again, it's also just the first game of the season. This stuff happens. There's no need to panic. But I give them a two and a half um, just because Trevor Lawrence, again, you know, there's a distinct difference between high school and college and then even more so, excuse me, even more so between college and the NFL. Um, and... This was Trevor Lawrence's first regular season loss in his entire career, which is like whatever. Um, but it, it to me, it was more his performance. It just wasn't great. And again, it wasn't terrible. It's the NFL. The NFL is very different than college. But he he has been exalted as the chosen one and is like, you know, he is 100% the next Tom Brady, Tom Brady, um, which I just, I always think is ridiculous, but any kind of those expectations on someone coming out of college sports. Um, but I don't know. I just was never sold on Trevor Lawrence as well. And I'm not saying that this is like, see, I was right. Like he's a bust. Because he still threw for like, I think over 300 yards, threw three touchdowns, but he threw three interceptions as well. And two of those touchdowns were like in junk time. So 
it's a little bit cause for concern, but again, it's a two and a half on the scale out of 10 because it's like, again, it's his first game. It's the first game of the season for everyone. The Jaguars were not good at all last season to begin with. So again, not really a whole lot of cause for concern. You know, we'll, we'll kind of see what happens. Um, Next up on the list is the Atlanta Falcons losing to the Philadelphia Eagles 32 to six. This one gets a two for me because again, the Falcons were trash last year, right? They were really bad. Um, I don't think anyone had that high of expectation. I mean, I'm not super involved in the NFL, so I could just be talking out of my butt here, but I don't think anyone had that high of expectations for them coming into this season anyway. Um, I mean, not being able to put a, up a touchdown is definitely not great. Not a good look. Um, but again, it's it's the first game of the season. I'm not panicked. Um, and again, I think for them, it's not that high just because it's like, were you expecting like that much better from them? Like they were not really good last season and they didn't really do much to get better in the off season. Um, like they didn't have like a prime pick in the draft they didn't make any splashes in the offseason in free agency so matt ryan is only getting older as well so it's just like i mean what what are we expecting to happen here like i i'm not i i don't see them going more than four and 13 this season maybe five and 12 um <clears throat> i just i don't i don't really see it from them so not really co- concerned for them Next up is the Titans, Tennessee Titans, losing 38-13 to to the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, this one is the highest one I have at this point at a 5. Definitely cause for concern, but again, no reason to panic, no reason to sound the alarms. But, I mean, this is a team who won their division last year um, and then was bounced in the first round of the playoffs by the Ravens. And the year before that, uh, went to the conference championship and lost to the eventual NFL champion, Kansas City Chiefs, right? Um, and, you know, this is also a team with Ryan Tannehill, who's kind of re, reborn, reformed, I don't know what to say, but rediscovered, you know, he, he's reinvented himself, and he is now a, a really good quarterback who got paid in the offseason. Um, and... Derrick Henry, who's the best running back in the league right now, uh, ran for 2,000 yards last season um, and just traded for Julio Jones and also has A.J. Brown. So they have, like, top-tier, like, number one running back, uh, probably a, mm, maybe top 10 quarterback in the league, which is still in the top third. Um, and the receiving core is probably like top 10 as well. Um, so when you put that together, their offense, if you're like playing Madden is probably ranked like eighth or ninth, maybe even seventh. Um, and they lost 38 to 13. Uh, not great. Not very good. Um, and again, it's just like their left tackle. I can't remember his name. It's escaping me right now, but he was God awful. I think Tannehill was sacked like six times. Uh, Chandler Jones just like kept getting past him. Um, so that was a huge issue. Derrick Henry ran for like 58 yards. Not good. 
um, Julio Jones and AJ Brown, I think were had a combined like less than 10 targets for the game uh, because Tannehill just couldn't even like throw the ball. So it was just like not a good look for them. Obviously their defense didn't play well at all, giving up 38 points. I mean, obviously, you know, with um, Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins, that's an elite uh, combo there of offense, but still like 38 points um, when their defense isn't like terrible either. Um, not, not good. So if you're a Titans fan, that definitely is not what you're expecting. Uh, and definitely just like everything that you saw in that first game cause for concern. But again, no reason to sound the alarms. No one needs to be sounding the alarms at this point. Um, next up is the Colts. They lost 28 to 16 to the Seattle Seahawks. Um, I give this a four. I might even change it to like a three and a half. Um, their first game with Carson Wentz. Um, I'm just like not sold on Carson Wentz at all. Um, and especially just with all these injuries he keeps having, he's just become really inconsistent. Um, his arm has kind of always been in question since he came to the NFL. Um, you know, Jonathan Taylor wasn't able to do a whole lot in the game. Um, but like, they just have like no wide receivers right now. Their wide receiver core is abysmal. Um, and with T Y Hilton having off season neck surgery and not looking to be playing for at least several weeks. Um, when you watch that game, it's just like, who do they have? Like, who is he supposed to throw the ball to? Um, so definitely cause for concern again. Um, but no reason to sound the alarms. Um, but you know, again, see how it plays out in week two, see if they're able to figure something out, get someone more open, but also see if they just like pretty quickly try to like make some moves and trade for some receivers to just get some depth there. Uh, Cause obviously they'll eventually get T Y Hilton back, but like you're going to have to go five, maybe six weeks without him. And that's just, excuse me, that's going to be no bueno. So um, I give them a four. Uh, second to last is the Chicago Bears, the Bears. Um, they lost to the Rams 34-14. to 14. Um, I give them a three and a half because it, it, it could go either way with them, right? So they lose 34-14. Not great. It's the Rams. They're poised to make a deep playoff run this year. Stafford already looks like a significant upgrade to Jared Goff with their offense. Um, so obviously we came acres after the year. That's not great for them, but they do still have some, some good backups there. Um, but for the bears, it's a three and a half because it was not a great look for them. Right. They just did. They had a good opening drive up until they got to the red zone. And then literally from there for the rest of the game, it was just like downhill did not look good. Um, so it's a three and a half because it 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 will go one way or the other moving forward. So and it all falls on their head coach Matt Nagy. Um, and it would be a three if I have more confidence in him, but I don't. So instead, it's a three and a half because it's again it's the first week, so it's not going to be like crazy. 
But so Andy Dalton is clearly just not the answer. His time has come and gone. He had like two decent years with the Bengals, um, with A.J. Green, but like that time has long since passed. Um, He did nothing for the Cowboys when he was there, and he doesn't seem to offer anything for the Bears now. Uh, But Matt Nagy seems very much hell-bent on keeping him as his starting quarterback for God knows why. Um, Showed no sign of promise in week one in that game against the Rams. Um, But, like, throughout the preseason and in, like, the three plays that he got to run, Justin Fields looked very promising, right? He looked great in the preseason and all the games that he started. He completed all of again, it was only like three plays that he was in the game for, but he completed all his passes and scored a touchdown. And it feels fairly obvious to like even casual NFL fans, football fans, that like Justin Fields is clearly the future and is clearly the answer for the Bears. And they just need to run with him, right? So next, I mean, next week is going to be huge to see who Matt Nagy starts. But then just every week that he keeps starting Dalton, this number is only going to go up. So again, it's at three and a half right now because they did not look good. Could have been worse, um, but they have the potential for it to be better. Um, but it could have been better that game. Um, so again, it feel. I mean, who knows? Like, I, I, you know, I'm not saying Justin Fields is going to come in and lead them to the Super Bowl, but I just think like at this point, could he really be much worse than Andy Dalton? And at this point, you have to just start working to your future. You took him in the draft fairly high, so clearly you do intend to make him your future. So why not just start now? Have Dalton as your backup and as your kind of veteran mentor presence, although I don't know how much you want him mentoring your young quarterback. Um, And just start working from there. Um, Because Andy Dalton is not the future. No one, I don't think even Nagy thought that he was the future. But he's not the present either. It's just his time is done here. He's not a starting quarterback anymore. He's just not. So three and a half for the Bears. It'll definitely go up if they don't start Justin Fields again next week. Um, could potentially go down if they do. So we'll see. It's up to you, Matt Nagy. Uh, and then finally, we have Big Blue, my New York Giants, uh, losing 27-13 to to the Denver Broncos in week one at home. So this one was tough to do, but I give it a six and a half because it's it's concerning, right? Daniel Jones is really starting to worry me here. Um, he just cannot hold on to the ball, and it's it's causing it's costing them games, right? So they had the chance; they were in the red zone. He was in the end zone, fumbled the ball, lost it, and the Broncos recover it in what could have been a touchdown that would have um, put them within one score, right? Which totally changes a game. But instead, uh, they don't. 
Broncos take over and they end up winning 27 to 13. Um, it, it's just tough as a Giants fan um, to have to deal with like they already like were shooting themselves in the foot by taking Daniel Jones so high in that draft a few years ago. And it just like hasn't really played out for them either. Like it hasn't been a thing where it's like, all right, like, you know, maybe he could have fallen like two or three picks, but that was where you were at and you wanted to take him, you know, he's panned out. So it's fine. Um, like it's not, he, he led the league. He's led the league the past two years in fumbles and is like already on pace to lead again this year. Um, and it's just, you can't keep doing that as a starting quarterback. Right. So that's really concerning. And their backup is Mike Glennon. So it's like, cool, no upgrade there. So we're just stuck with Daniel Jones. Um, and it's just, there's not enough promise or, or um, potential there, in my opinion, um, to be like, well, we just got to ride it out. Like, he'll figure it out. Like, he's been in the league a couple of years now. Like, is he going to figure it out or is he not? It doesn't seem like he is. Um, Saquon, obviously, I know I'm not going to sound the alarm on him. Um, it's his first game back in, in like a year. Um, you know, it's definitely still has that explosiveness. Um, obviously didn't look the same as peak Saquon Barkley because uh, he's coming off a torn ACL. But definitely um, looked like good like promising like it was definitely a sigh of relief watching him in that game of like all right like he got through the game uh didn't tweak anything didn't seem to like be tentative or like slow or anything like that you know obviously he still got to get his feet back underneath him and get back into just like playing football again but um it might be a little bit of a slow start for him um so yeah, I don't know. It's just like, it wasn't great. Um, it wasn't awful. I mean, it was only a 14-point loss. You know, it wasn't like 20-some-odd points. But, again, this Daniel Jones thing is just, like, not looking good for them. So, I give them a 6.5 because if it continues this way, they're not going to win more than five games. And um, at that point, for me, there's just, like, no hope for Daniel Jones if he continues to play like this. It's just... It's a wrap. So that's that. That's that. That that's all for the panic meter for for all those teams. Um, again, it's week one. Let's chill. Let's not overreact here. Um, but as the weeks continue, as the games continue, look for those trends I was talking about with these teams and to see kind of what direction they should be heading. Um, All right, we have another question in the chat here <clears throat> from Nick. Thoughts on Yankees, playoff chances, slash Boone heading into the future. So I'll go ahead and say this now. I don't watch a ton of – I don't really watch baseball. I try to stay up to date with the Yankees and kind of where they're at in their standings. Um, I try to watch some playoff games when they're, when they're in the playoffs. So, you know, I may be talking out of my butt here a little bit, but – Personally, I, I think 
Aaron Boone isn't in jeopardy of losing his job um, because it seems to me from what I read and from just like what I've seen and heard, it seems like the players all really like him. And it seems like he has a good relationship with them and they trust him and they respect him and they enjoy having him as their manager. And so I think when you have that, especially in baseball more than any other sport, I think front offices will be more willing to grit through some disappointing seasons. That being said, obviously the Yankees, especially the first half of the season, were very much underperforming, but they've since turned it on and are making a playoff push. Um, And I think at this point are looking at a wild card spot. Um, We'll see how deep, if at all, of a playoff run they can make. Um, it, it it feels to me like it's just a lot of guys underperforming. I don't really know what it is, um, but it's just like it feels like it's one of those things where it's like they're like in a daze or something, and it's like you know when you like watching the movie, you know it's like after a tough loss or something. And the manager is just like, hey, snap out of it, guys. Like, wake up. Like, this is it. Like, this is the season. This is what it all rides on. Like, you got to wake up. Like, you guys are better than this. You got to play like it. You know, something like that. Um, Because, like, the talent is there, right? Like, they have the talent. We've seen the past few years. They've made some good playoff runs. Um, Have, a like, a really solid young core. Um, and it's just like, what, what is like, where, why are they not performing? Like what's going on here? Um, so I, again, I don't watch a ton of baseball, so I can't super, I can't really sit here and tell you why or what they can do to improve it. But, um, I just feel like, especially with baseball, uh, you know, we've seen it time and again with different teams that like just just scraping by into the wild card does not knock you out of making it to and winning the world series. <laughs> um so I think if they're able to push <clears throat> make a push and secure a wild wild card spot um I think that that's what they got to do and they got to just make it to the playoffs and then kind of pushing into gear at that point and 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 we'll see what happens but i mean it's just like it's also it feels like a time where in the mlb it's like there's just like a lot of good teams right now you know like in the al you have the yankees you have the blue jays who are making a huge push right now and and with vlad guerrero um you have the angels looking like they may finally make the playoffs for once in Mike Trout's career. Um, you have obviously the rays, you have the white Sox who have a lot of potential and look good. Um, you know, and then on the other side of it, obviously the Dodgers look very good, but you have the Braves who have looked really good and have shown signs of potential. Um, there's, well, there was the Cubs, but they definitely just kind of gave up there. Um, the Astros as well in the AL. Um, it, it, I don't know. It just feels like there's a lot of good teams. So it's like if the Yankees make the wild card and they lose the wild card game, I feel like you can't chalk it up as like a failure. It'll definitely be a disappointment, 
of a season because a lot of people were expecting them to make it to the World Series, if not win it this season. But I don't know. I think I also always always have like a lot more uh, grace with teams and with their managers of just like, I don't know. I just feel like it wasn't a failure and I'd feel like Aaron Boone, like getting rid of Aaron Boone, it wouldn't be the answer to their problems. So we'll see. I, I, I think, so I think heading to the future, I think Boone's position is safe. Um, but I think the Yankees, if they have an early exit, they may make some big moves in the off season. I'm looking at you, John Carlos Stanton. I, 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 again, I don't watch baseball, but I feel like from what I've been reading and seeing, he has like yet to be worth the contract that we gave him a couple years ago. So I'll just leave it at that and I'll move on. Um, <clears throat> Facebook. We have a couple questions that uh, I wanted to answer that were from uh, a couple weeks ago. Let's see. All right. So this first one comes from Alec Moser, and he asks, what kind of impact do you think the 17-game season will have on the players? Also, if such when season records are broken, should they have an asterisk? Um, <coughs> excuse me. So to quickly answer that last one, uh, no. Um, I don't think it should have an asterisk. Um, if you're familiar with this show, you're familiar with, I just don't ever really think that asterisks should be used. I mean, the only time we've ever seen asterisks officially used in any sort of sports records is for when seasons are, um, like canceled or cut short in the middle due to like, uh, bargaining agreements or this in the season, just like being like canceled. Um, so when there's like a lockout really, um, that's pretty much, I, I, I'm pretty sure that's the only time we've ever officially seen asterisks used. Um, you know, Barry Bonds world, uh, home run record, no asterisk there. Um, the Lakers winning the championship with the COVID season, no asterisk there. Um, the Bucks winning last season, uh, because a lot of people just got injured, uh, no asterisk there. Um, I'm trying to think of other stuff. Um, the Patriots with Deflategate, no asterisk there. Um, you know, that's just like the uh, – who is it that won? I think it was the Nationals when they win the World Series after like a 60-game season. No asterisk there. Um, so it, it's just like asterisks to me are just like – people who are upset with the outcome, right? Like a lot of the people that we were seeing say, oh, the Bucks title win should have an asterisk because all these players got injured. Like it was just like not even real. A lot of those people were Lakers fans, right? And they were just upset that the Lakers got bounced at the first, out of the first round and that one of their star players is injury prone and got injured at a bad time and they lost to the Suns in the first round. Like that was a lot of the people saying that. And they're, they're just upset because a lot, like pretty much everyone else, 
um, the vast majority of NBA fans were just like, no, there's no asterisk. Like this was like it's like a more difficult season than most others. Same with like the the bubble and the COVID season. Like this was more difficult than others. Like why are we going to put an asterisk on it? Um, so I think with them deciding to now move up from 16 games to 17 games in the regular season, um, there shouldn't be an asterisk if there's any records broken um, because we've seen that with uh, like a lot of leagues have done that where, um, you know, the NBA, like there's no asterisk next to Will Chamberlain's hundred point game or Bill Russell's 11 NBA championships that says, well, there's only eight NBA teams though. So, you know, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, the most points ever scored in NBA career. There's no asterisk saying, well, half the time you play, there's only like 12 teams. So, you know, like with records like that, Barry Bonds, record for most home runs in an MLB career. Well, he was using steroids sometimes at some at one of those points though. So, like it's not there because it's just like that it, 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 there's always going to be extenuating circumstances and especially with like the steroid thing with Barry Bonds, a lot of people have the mindset where it's just like, listen, that was just the steroid era. Like everyone and their mother was using steroids in the MLB at that point. So, like it's just like everyone like everyone's stats would then just be null and void you know what i mean um so no i don't think there should be asterisk because again will chamberlain scored 100 points um but the nba talent wasn't near what it is now and there was only eight teams same with bill russell 11 championships but there's only 11 teams so not a whole lot of competition but like we still recognize him as having 11 championships and being one of the best 50 players in nba history um you have to take it for what it was at that point. And at this point, there's 17 games in the regular season this year. So if, you know, Patrick Mahomes sets the new record for most passing yards in a season, I don't think it's going to have an asterisk. Um, and I think it's just going to be the new record. So in terms of like records being broken and stuff like that, I don't, I just think it's going to be, yeah, they're new records. Um, Cause again, there's always going to be an extenuating circumstance or a, um, exception in someone's opinion of why something, some record was broken, a, a championship was won, whatever. So, yeah. <clears throat> um, and in terms of how it's going to affect the players, it'll be very interesting um, because the NFL uh, schedule is already pretty bonkers, as is, right? Like, it's already pretty crazy to have NFL players playing once a week and, like, having, like, playing every Sunday, right? And then on top of that, you have some of them playing Sunday and then that Thursday, which is just, like, horrible for their bodies. Um, And then sometimes you have them playing a game and then having to fly to London to play a game just, like, for PR um, and have to deal with like jet lag and all that stuff and then fly back and then play another game. Um, especially like if you're like a West coast team, like that's just a nightmare. Um, and so I don't think necessarily adding a 17th game is bad, but like, well, I think I kind of do though, because 
I think they need to already be spreading their season out more. And you can't really do that and add another game as well. Um, I think their season should probably start earlier in the summer, like in August it should start. Uh, and then, and then, and then go like through February. Cause you don't want to really go any further into the winter. Um, cause for playoffs with like outdoor teams, especially like teams like green Bay or Pittsburgh or, uh, Cleveland, um, or Seattle, like it's just going to get really freaking cold. Um, and you don't want these players playing in like five degree blizzards. You know what I mean? Um, so I think just just kind of extend it back into August, um, and you'll be fine because, yeah, it's only an extra couple of weeks, maybe a month at most that you're adding into the into the season. But not adding any more extra games there gives people more rest, um, and then you can also then have a little more with the Thursday night games. Maybe add some Saturday night games then as well, and then you have the Monday night games as on top of that. So then you just, you're able to fit the schedule in better with like more rest for these players. Um, so yeah, so I think it'll be pretty rough, honestly. Um, and I think we kind of saw something relatively similar this past season with the NBA, with them compressing the schedule and not really taking that many games out of the schedule. Um, there's, it was the most uh, injuries in the league to all-stars, most games missed by all-stars in a season. Um, obviously, the playoffs looked very different than how a lot of people were anticipating. Again, that's just how it goes. But it didn't go unnoticed either, right? And so it'll be interesting to see what happens with the NFL with that um, as we kind of get to week 12, week 13, week 14. How many of these players are getting a little more rest, not playing like every snap? Um like especially these like quarterbacks, we'll see how that happens, how that goes, and the running backs too. Um, and then especially towards the end of the season, once playoffs, once playoff positions are getting locked in, how many people then kind of just like throw in all the second stringers as soon as they clinch a playoff spot, right? Um, just to give their starters all the rest they can for the playoffs. So. It'll be interesting. Um, again, I don't think it was a great idea because I think the NFL schedule is already pretty rough. And the last question here comes from Jeff, my father. Uh, were the FCS, FCS football upsets over so many FBS teams this past week due in part to FCS teams playing in the spring, so therefore, therefore better conditioned? Um, I think that's probably part of it, um, but not every FCS team played in the spring. Um, I think part of it definitely is from that. And also just with last season in general, just as a whole being so weird for college football. Um, but I think we're also just starting to see a lot of FCS level um, universities and teams just like stepping their game up. You know, they're getting better recruiting classes Um they're getting better coaches and they, you know, we sh we're seeing some schools now as well um, in the FCS level who are looking to move to the FBS level too. So they're kind of at that level. They don't get taken too seriously. It's also the first week, just like we saw in the NFL. Um, 
you know, the first week of, and the first week, the first game of any professional sports season is always just going to be a little weird because everyone's, you know, knocking the rust off, um, you know, shaking the rust off, you know, getting their feet underneath them, getting back into playing shape. So, um, it'll be, you know, unfortunately all those kind of games only happen in like the first two weeks really of the college football season. So it'd be more interesting if like, it was like, you know, in like mid November, we had an FCS upset over an FBS team. Um, that would be more cause for concern and like, whoa, like why did this happen? As opposed to we see, we do see these happen um, every year. Uh, it did seem like it was more than usual this season, um, this, you know, past week or two. But that being said, um, I just think it was just a uh, kind of a little bit of luck. And just also just a lot of these teams are, a lot of these FB, FCS teams aren't like kind of just the ones who it's like, all right, yeah, like we're going to win 55-0 over this team. It's like, no, like this isn't like a FBS, like pow- FCS, like powerhouse. Like they're like winning their conference this year. This is not going to be an easy game for you. So, um, so yeah. And that, those are all the questions that we had. Um, and, and, and that's, uh, that's kind of all we had for the episode today. Um, so if you enjoyed what you heard, if you enjoyed listening or watching, uh, consider sharing the podcast with your friends, telling them about it, tell them to give it a listen. Um, if not totally cool, just make sure you go follow all of our social media accounts. Then, um, Facebook and Instagram are sports talk with swag. Twitter is STWS cast. You can send an email to sports talk with swag at gmail.com with any thoughts or uh, topics you want me to cover or questions you have. Um, if you want to listen to the audio version of this podcast, you can do so on Spotify, iTunes, Amazon music, anywhere you get podcasts, you can listen to this. You can download it, listen to it, listen to it in your car on your commute or on a uh, long road trip or while you're washing the dishes or while you're cooking dinner, whatever you want. I'm not going to tell you when to listen to the podcast. Um, If you're more uh, into kind of watching and getting to see my beautiful face and ever growing long hair while hearing me talk about sports, you uh, should definitely go like the Facebook page because that's where we stream live every week, Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Um, you get a live video feed of my studio, um, along with the audio, obviously, uh, if that's more of your thing, but if not, listen to the audio. Um, and with that being said, I want to thank you all for hanging out in the Facebook live stream. And those of you listening to the audio format, I do appreciate you all. And, uh, we'll see you in the next episode. Peace.